Welcome to another episode of Pro-Am Disc Golf. I'm Gavin Goodwin. And I'm Chris Lesbo. I am your amateur. And I'm your professional. And uh, welcome back. We like having you listen to the show, and we like making the show for you. Yeah. And uh, we missed a week because I was sick. Flu I'm going to take season. full credit for that, but yeah. Yeah. Did, you, a, did you get a flu shot? No. Oh, okay. I don't think I need one now, though, because I think I've got the flu. Yeah. <laughs> so. you, you've adapted already. Yeah. Last week, I, or last episode, I think I made it clear that I did not get a flu shot, but uh, yeah. All right. So we have got a ton of emails, and we're recording a little late for us, so we're going to get right into them. You ready? Yes. Okay. Um, first one is from Disc Golf Bros. Uh, lawn mower versus basket became a real thing at our local college course, and he posts a picture. And it's mangled. Of a basket completely mangled. <laughs> like, like, how do you break it off the pole? <laughs> I don't know. But uh, Good job, lawnmower man. Yeah, so lawnmowers win. Lawnmowers trump baskets. That's 2-0 for lawnmowers. If yeah. you have a different story, holler back. If there's a if there's a lawnmower-proof basket, that would be impressive. Especially because most of them are usually industrial lawnmowers at parks. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Next email is from Daniel Smith. Hey, guys. Hey. What's up? Would love to get your insight into a situation that has been occurring in my recent tournament play. I throw tomahawks regularly. Good for you. I wish I had a better tomahawk. Cheater. <laughs> As a utility shot to get over things or to go perfectly straight on a tight line if the ceiling allows. Recently, I started to bag the Epic. It's weird, I know, but I can throw it with accuracy from 280 out to about 580 feet. That's far, uh, yep. depending on the downhill slope. I can throw something 500 feet if it's downhill, you know, a thousand feet. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> because of this, I've used it in tournaments recently and have had two different TDs require I show proof it's approved while threatening to DQ me. This brings up the question of why does it matter if someone uses a niche disc since anyone can buy one? Anyway, come up to Washington. Let's play around. Dan would love to go play in Washington. Yeah. Uh, so Chris, what do you say to this? Um, first of all, I'm with the team of you're a cheater for throwing overhand. It's out of pure jealousy. You rock it. Anyone who gives you a hard time, just say you can't do it. I'm sorry. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, the epic is, or, or you could offer like to teach them how to do it. And be, no, just know. just own it. Like, <laughs> sorry, better than you. Um, I totally hate on overhand players because I'm bad at it. Yeah. So, yeah, jealousy. No, and it's such a good utility <laughs> shot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But as far as the epic, they are approved. Yeah. Um, they were grandfathered in because they were approved once upon a time. I think once it's approved, my understanding of PGGA is once it's approved, it's always approved. Yep. Yep. And that's what the epic is. Um, it is stipulated that no new versions will be approved. That's not a comp- perfectly yeah. concentric, or what's the word? I think concentric is fine. Yeah. The, that's not, that has an uneven rim like that. Yeah. And I think the epic was actually made by accident. Like, I don't think oh. they meant to make it like that. And it really? came out and they tried it and it was fun. So they made them. Huh. But you are approved. Any TD who gives you a hard time, you can just say it's approved. It's stamped right on yeah. the disc, too. Like yeah. It's an ugly stamp, but it's right there. Truth. And uh, TDs also become familiar with weird things and, and get used to that and don't. I feel like the Epic is pretty well known. Like People should know that if you're it's okay. If you're a TD, like, you should understand. Like I don't, I'm not going to harp on anybody, but the Epic is an approved disc. So yep. you can use it uh, in any – I think Orobi has like four or five – discs that are approved mm-hmm. and they're weird i saw a dude putting with an arrow when we were playing no a while way. ago 
Wow. Uh, it was weird, but he loved it. He wow. was actually putting pretty well. So and we should y- try the arrow. Yes, anyone can buy an Epic, but most people shouldn't. If you don't throw overhand, I wouldn't suggest no, it. No, I have one, and it's in Chris's car. Like, <laughs> it's it's fun to play with, but we, it does We need really to pull that out things. again. Yeah. Okay. It's it is it's a fun disc to just throw. It's on my shelf weird. with the fun ones. The, yeah, the bite and the beetle and. Oh, what's the beetle? I don't know the beetle. It's like the ultimate catch disc. It's like a small rim, something between like a blunt edge putter and an ultimate disc. But same diameter as a standard disc golf disc. Pretty close. Okay. Yeah, but like zero rim thickness. Huh. Like it's a fun catch disc. It's almost like a Zephyr. I haven't played. Oh, no, Zephyr's a little big. Zephyr's the size of a condor. Okay. Um, okay, so speaking of condors, yeah, that's our next question. Randy hooked us up with the PDJ file of approved super class discs, and uh, I'm just gonna leave it at this condors not approved for super class. Sorry, I, I think it is now. I swear, this I mean, this is a 2009 list. I know I've looked for a newer list and I can't find it. If you're out there, maybe let they, us know. Maybe they stopped distinguishing super class. I bet if we pull up a, an approved list, it's on there. Yeah, I don't know. Everybody says that it's not because it doesn't have a blunt edge. So that's I've I've looked that up and Ooh, I've seen tons of condors used in sanction. Super class? Yeah. No, in sanction events. Like I'm pretty sure condors are approved. No, it's approved for PDGA. Oh, it's too small for super it's, class. It's it's too it's too sharp of an edge for oh, super class. Okay, okay. It, I know it's a PDGA approved disc. Okay, I'd believe that. But I don't think it's a super class approved disc. Is apparently what's going on. Lame. Uh, although recently they had a super class tournament, and the Condors and Zephyrs were the only discs you could play with. So, so we're gonna say they are super class because they're big. But I'm not PDGA, so I, I will say though it's a fantastic disc, and I uh, went online to try to find. Um, like a, a premier plastic condor. Cause apparently they're out there. I've seen them. You have one, you have a blizzard condor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colleen has it now. Yeah. Innova's like pro shop doesn't have them. So I signed Ooh. up on their email list of like when this is back in stock, send it to me. Ooh. So, uh, I don't know if that will work or not, but I would, I like my condor so much, but they break in so fast. Cause DX. Yeah. yeah. You can find some. I like a lot of Innova discs, but DX plastic just, Breaks in so crazy quick. I should give you that heavy one I have. I don't throw it. The Condor? Yeah. I'll take it. Okay. It's like a 180 and 190. Yeah, I think that's kind of... I think it's... I I don't know what mine is. Yeah, it'll last a while. Yeah. Um, Okay. We're getting through these like super quick. It's okay. This this one is not quick. This one is not quick at all. This is three points to address, one of which I forgot what it is. Sorry. All right. This is from Jay Marmot. Uh, Y'all didn't address my topic about putting that I suggested on the Facebook post. What was that topic? That's the one I forgot. I forgot too. I am I am too fast, too forgetful. Okay. Uh, oh, that's a, that's the a subject line. That's right. Will you look that up on Facebook while I read this? Yes. Okay. The fast and the and then his next paragraph. The fast and the furious would have to be an even Bodhi, as it is the basis for which all FF movies should be judged. Two F two F is like a negative one. It gets at least that because it introduces Roman and Tej, who remain throughout, and it's not horrible. It is really horrible. That's me. That's editorializing. I'm not going to editorialize until I've done this paragraph anymore. The opening race was, but come on. I don't know how many times I've worked. And you can go back to Barstow and ejecto seat cuz into conversation. Uh, one and a half gets a negative five because it's a completely worthless short that chronicles Brian's run from the cops in LA and eventual settlement in the Miami street scene with an, at the time, U.S. illegal Nissan Skyline. Number three, Tokyo Drift. I give it a plus five. We got to talk about your movies. 
It has all my favorite cars in it. It's got the small-time criminal underground street racing feel of the first one. Sean is a great character that I was sad to see get snubbed later in the series. He totally should have joined the team in Han's place. Fast and Furious to me is when they start becoming different movies, almost like 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8 need a different body scale because they are literally nothing like the first one whatsoever, other than they have cars in them, sort of. They're a little standalone-y, but... They're like modern warfare espionage movies that are obliged, <laughs> obligated to have a fast car or two because of their title. Um, <coughs> I don't disagree with your assessment of the, the, the last... They're kind of standalone. That's what makes that series great, though, for me. And uh, Jay Marmot... The Bodhi scale is what it is. And if you want to, you know, this is your rankings, and that's great. Everybody can have their own, you know, ranking on the Bodhi scale. I am definitely not going to put Tokyo Drift as a plus five. I'm not putting it above zero. Like an even Bodhi? Yeah, it's definitely not. I don't, I think it's a negative. Like, I, I think it's like a negative two. I agree. It's, it's not good. It's fun to watch. Yeah. But it's not good. I watched it on an airplane, which is where you should watch that movie. I think I was coming back. So that if you're asleep for half of it, it's I was okay. on a plane. I was in, I was coming on a plane from Asia. I wasn't in Japan. Oh, yeah. But uh, that was a place to watch that movie. I think I watched like seven movies on that flight. Was, oh, no. Um, but uh, no, Tokyo Drift is not good. I understand those are the cars you like. And that's, that's great for you. But, uh, and to say that the first one needs to be the, the, the base mark, that's, I, I guess I was not clear in how the body scale works. So you just, pick a movie by what it's supposed to be not you know you, you don't have to put iron man as the baseline for marvel movies it's yeah. a superhero movie you know it's it's an action movie it's a superhero movie so that's the genre that it's going for so you're not comparing it against the godfather you're not comparing it against jaws you're not comparing it against um you know one floor of the cuckoo's nest you're comparing it against other superhero movies and other kind of popcorn mm-hmm. blockbusters so you want to compare it against godzilla even sure okay uh, I can talk about that, but I'm not going to because I'll get completely <laughs> off topic. Good, yeah. Uh, but this is this is for me how the body scale works. So the idea is that you're not comparing Too Fast, Too Furious against The Godfather, which is an unfair comparison. Too Fast, Too Furious is still, in my opinion, terrible. Like, uh, did I give it a negative five last time or a negative four? I don't know. It's ne- awful. Negative something. And. This is me. This is my opinion. Uh, Tej is a great character in the Fast and Furious. That's Ludacris's character. I like him. Roman drives me nuts. Uh, if he if his character was written out of the series, I don't think it would suffer much for me. He's he does have some comic relief moments, but I don't think that it's necessary for what it is. But I'm for is it Tyrese who plays that role? Good for him for having like a steady job and a good income. <laughs> Great. Awesome. I, that's just a character that I probably like the least in all those movies. Um, and going, <laughs> I'm getting way off into this and the weeds on this. Uh, the character that I want to see come back from Tokyo Drift, uh, what's his name? Sean or whatever his name is said. Mm-hmm. He's in one of like the post credit scenes for, I think, seven. Um, so he, he may come back. But I want to see the um, older brother from Home Improvement. Come back. Oh, my. Do you remember that scene in the very, very beginning of the movie? Uh, I don't. He's like racing his dad's Viper or something through the <gasps> through the um, new construction site. I totally do. Yeah, he's just the, the bully in the beginning. Yep. I want to see his character somehow come back for some reason. <laughs> in some other supercar that he took from his dad. Yeah, I want to see him like be the main villain. Like yep. he's, he's Charlize Theron's boss or something. Yep. Hey. <laughs> just because he was Right off. in. Maybe they'll do it. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, okay. Whew. We'll just leave it as a agree to disagree. Agree on that to disagree franchise. on that one. But no, but that's the body scale. Yeah, that's it's the perfect thing in the body scale. It's very unique. It's a way Individual. that everybody can, uh, you know, rate their own movies. Um, he also said, I'm not going to get into this one too much, but he had a son that he, he's basically team Jenny McCarthy as far as the immunizations go. So in the interest of, you know, fair and balanced, giving the other side uh, a voice here, he feels that not immunizing his child had a positive health benefit for him. So great. Yep. That doesn't change how I feel about it. I like Jay Marmot as a person. I agree. Uh, and I'm happy that your son's doing well, but I immunized all my kids. And if I have more, I will continue to immunize them. <sighs> but everybody, I guess, everybody gets to make their own choice. But it's true. I would urge you to vaccinate your kids. Just saying. All right. Uh, next one is also from Disc Golf Bros. You want to read this one, Chris? Ooh, um yeah, because it pairs really well. At the end oh, of wait, Jay did Marmot's, you find his thing in Facebook? His, yes, his, we okay. forgot to address it. Thank you. The next email is perfectly lined up from Disc Golf Bros. Loft putting, good or bad? Okay, I'm going to stay on that part because Jay Marmot said, could you talk about different putts, spin, push, loft, turbo, yada, yada, differences oh, yeah, between this. situations where one is favorable, jump putt, step putt, or, so I guess we'll talk about that part first, and then I'll read the rest. Different putts. What you got? There, there are a bunch of them. <laughs> True. That's where I am. So you're, you're the pro here. Come on. Um, the, I mean, the biggest differences are kind of in the name. So spin putts get there faster. They float. They're more like point and shoot. So I, I'm a spin putter, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, you play enough with me that is that. Yeah. Yeah. You're more spin. Um, to me, that feels like just throwing like a catch disc. Yeah. It's, it's less arm swing, more hold it and throw it with your wrist, wrist. flick. Yeah. yeah. Um, upsides to spin putting, uh, you can putt from far away. If you watch Simon play or Eagle play, they can standing putt 80, 90 feet. That's nuts. Just standing and putt. Um, one of the downsides to spin putting is because you have that much speed, that much pace to keep that disc flying. If, if you, you air miss, ball yep. or off the top, it can go really far. Um, plenty of Which videos I've experienced of, a bunch, plenty of videos of spin putters. One round, I forgot what tournament last year with Simon. He was circles edge for three and ended up taking a five or six, just putting back and forth. Ugh. 35, 35, 35, because that's what that putt is. But when you're confident and you're putting well, it's lights out. Yeah. Because you let go of it and you know it's in. Well, and that's when it's like, I should have just laid up, but then that's an extra stroke. Mm-hmm. And so. So I think, I think spin putting is really good if you're a confident putter. If you want to run, you want to be aggressive around the basket, I think spin putting is good. Uh, flip side, push putting. Less pace, less spin, less lift on the disc. Yeah, so what is push putting? Like push, push putting, putting is more like arm swing, arm swing. So a true push putt, there's no wrist flick. Oh, really? It's just down, up. So the disc is spinning. It's like you're throwing it forward. Yeah, so it instead doesn't of, really have much spin on it at all. It up, yeah. So upsides, if you miss, it's not going too far. Yeah. Because it's not spinning, and that's where lift comes from. Downsides, it's harder to putt far. Um, I think that's the big one. Wind kind of plays with both of these differently. Um, spin putting into a headwind is way more effective than push putting into a headwind. Yeah, because you can kind of ride the wind. You get that spin flight. Spin putting into a tailwind can be pretty bad if you get if you miss. Mm-hmm. Um, loft putting kind of falls with push putting to me. You can't really spin putt and loft putt. So loft putting just kind of 
is what it sounds like, right? Just yeah, kind of you throwing just kind of throw high. If you watch Sarah Hokum, okay. I would definitely say she's a loft putter. And she's one of the best I can think of at it. So if you watch any of the FPO coverage from pretty much any event this year, she's probably on it. She's playing well. Um, you can see a loft, but you kind of just throw it soft, throw it flat, throw it high. Try to get it to drop down into it. Uh, biggest pro I see there is misses are very close to the basket because it has almost zero forward momentum when it gets there. Um, downside, harder to make it. Um, instead of running at a target, you're now bringing in a vertical element. So you have to get it dropping at the right time, and that shrinks your target. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Turbo putting, awesome. So fun to watch. Um, it's probably as consistent as other putting if you commit to it. If you watch Johnny McRae, we have a local here who I think is just as good as Johnny, if not better. Uh, Russell. I don't know if you know Russell. Have you turbo putts? Yeah. Jessup? Sometimes. He'll step up to a putt and... I don't know what he's going to do until he does it. Huh. Sometimes normal, sometimes turbo. Um, turbo putt is great. It's just you look at it and you throw it like a throw football. Like a football, yeah. Yep. Um, turbo putts are useful. I think you, everyone should practice them. You know, a couple times a year. See, the only time I ever pull out a turbo putt is if I've got if, if you're I don't if have you're a, obstructed. Yes, which yeah. happens a lot. Yeah. The more the more wooded the course, the more like shrubby it is, the more you'll run into it. Um, I turbo putted three or four times this year in tournaments. I didn't make any of them, but they were all respectable. Um, so turbo is basically like an overhand spin putt. Yeah, you, you hold the rim of the disc and balance it on your thumb. Yep, thumb right. on the underside, fingers the on the rim. You can look it up if you want to see a picture of it. Just, but... You try to kind of throw it like a football. You yeah, get it, just it spins spinning off, off your, your finger. finger. Yeah, and so that's super useful um, for getting out of trouble. If you have a big, like if you're standing in the middle of a bush and you can put over the top. Yeah, I don't, to me, I don't understand people that turbo putt when they're not in trouble, but. I'm not, it's a, you know, it's just what comfort thing. Yeah. It's like people who straddle putt when they're not in trouble. Yeah. I, I would say Nate Sexton's one of the best putters right now and he straddle putts everything. Yeah. Just what you're comfortable so. with. So, yep. Okay. I hope that's sort of helpful on the putting talk. Um, next yeah, so question. That's, so I, I'm just going to add to that. Whatever you feel comfortable with, do it, but, uh, have a couple different things in your repertoire mm-hmm. turbo putts, a great thing to have. I do have a turbo putt. That's Okay. That again, I, I don't practice. I probably should more, um, but it does come in handy when they're when you're obstructed, but you've got a clear overhand. Mm-hmm. I don't try to pull it out. I would throw if I'm far away. I would probably well, I don't know. I might try to like hyzer it around an obstruction if it's if it's distance, mm-hmm. um, or if it's too high, I would scooby. But you wouldn't turbo putt over something that high anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if I'm when any time I'm turbo putting in the basket is if I'm like I don't know probably ten feet out yeah or so and like it's fairly a tap in I'm just obstructed and can't get there with a mm-hmm. spin putt that's fair um, I do I do want to push the have an arsenal though yeah putt a bunch of different ways different angles different speeds yeah. different spins if you're open putt the way you're most comfortable with always but it's good to be able to scramble and, and hit something yep it's so cool when you can like just hyzer a putt in <laughs> just right yeah. And I've oh. I've done that a handful of times and it's great. Yeah, it's it's good. Work yeah. work both ways. You'll have trees in the way. You need to go around yeah. stuff, you need to go over stuff, under stuff. Just make your putting yeah. harder. Okay. Next question. Was there any something else with that or no? Or he had another part. Yeah, another part. Okay. Um, difference in plastics. Base plastic wears faster. Why? Uh, and why would you choose lucid or champion or similar over fusion or star? Uh I think why they wear in fast is they're just a softer plastic. Yeah, softer material, so it's going to distort faster. 
Uh, and the more you lose that initial shape of the disc, chunks, gouges, tacos, any yeah. any alteration is going to change the flight. I'm going to just compare this to shoes real quick. Okay, go. So um, I used to sell shoes, so I, <laughs> I knew quite a bit about them. Curveball. I was in high school. Uh, yeah, this is a curveball. Uh, so look at your shoe if you're just wearing like an athletic shoe. Um, chances are you have on the outside of it, you've got, you know, after the, the leather or whatever the shoe is made of, you have a midsole that's made out of something similar to phylon, basically a soft, spongy material. Probably might have an air bladder, might have something else in it, but the the polyethylene in it, the rubber in it, is a soft, spongyish material. Underneath that, you have a carbon rubber, some kind of other hard rubber that's more durable. It doesn't absorb shock very well, but it's very durable and it will withstand abrasion more. Um, if you go and get like a super soft walking shoe. Like if your grandmother or grandpa has like a walking shoe, it doesn't have that soft, that hard, uh, undersole. It has that same soft stuff. Or if you buy your kid's shoes or your shoes at Walmart and you Mm -hmm. just get like an inexpensive, you know, athletic shoe there. Um, the underside is probably in large part due that made of that soft material, Hmm. which is actually, they can import them cheaper because of that. (laughs) Because they fall into some kind of different tariff, which is interesting. But oh, man. listen to Planet Money if you want to hear about that. Uh, which do it's a great podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, How have we gotten here? So I'll I'll, I'll bring it back. So, um, you you want different things for different reasons. So if you want a soft shoe, then you're going to need something that's that's soft. If you want it to be durable, it's not going to be soft. The more durable it is, the less soft it is. And it's the same with plastics. So the more durable your plastic is, the harder it is, the harder, the, the better it's going to take abuse and abrasion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also less expensive to manufacture the softer materials because there's just more air in it. It's less um, precise materials. And I, I don't know about the plastics, but with shoes, that's how it is. So I'm guess, uh, I mean, it sounds perfectly parallel. Yeah. A sp- yeah. So, and if you want to think about it, J Marmot, in terms of tires, <laughs> you can have a Z-rated tire, which is very soft, mm-hmm. and it's going to have great grip, but it's going to wear out super quick. I mean, if you get 10,000 miles out of a Z-rated tire, you're doing pretty well. You're also paying a lot of money for it. So the inverse is true as far as cost. You get just you know a standard, what, R-rated or whatever, mm-hmm. just a mud and snow tire. It's going to last you 30,000, 40,000 miles. Um, less but, grip, but less it's, money. You're not gonna, it's not going to perform on the track. It'll perform just fine doing utility work. And I would say the same thing's the same with, with base plastics. If you play once a year, why spend money above a, a DX or a Prime or whatever that is? Um, I don't, I'm not as familiar with other companies' yeah. plastics, but whatever their base plastic is. Why, why spend any more money on that? If you're wanting something that's going to perform a little bit better, you're going to move into a different product that mm-hmm. performs a little bit better. And... For me, um, I talked about DX a little bit earlier, which is Innova's base plastic. Uh, didn't realize how dr- how quickly it beats in until I bought my first destroyer, which was a DX <laughs> destroyer. And I don't I don't even throw a destroyer anymore. I probably need to put one back in my bag because I lost my boss and I want something overstable. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it beats in so quick, it went understable in like three rounds of playing with it and mm-hmm. not throwing it all the time. Just hitting a few things. Just hitting a few th- trees, which... You hit trees, and uh, it went very, very understable, like crazy understable. 
if you want to season a dish to your taste, that's probably preferable. But if you want a dish to, or that may be preferable. Yeah, I guess it I depends on how far your taste yeah. is. Yeah. Um, but if you want something to hold its intended flight pattern more, then you're going to get a harder plastic, mm-hmm. something that's a little stiffer. So that's the reason for the different plastics. Why they have different stabilities between the different plastics, I don't really know. I mean, that's a probably due to like the weight and manufacturing yeah, and like minor variations in production. Yeah, even like humidity or temperature or something. Yeah, I mean cooling how, time or how can different like the same mold but a different batch yeah. turn out different? Is we've talked about this on other episodes. Uh, for me, choosing between prime plastics or sorry, not prime plastics, but uh, premium plastics. It comes down to feel for me. So like right here, I have a lucid little uh, junior Junior. edition. Um, I like lucid because it's durable. You can throw it against a brick wall and it will scratch up a little bit, but it'll still fly pretty consistently Mm -hmm. for a long time. Um, I found that I prefer a more grippier feel and that's just my preference Mm -hmm. in my hand. So for Trilogy or at least Dynamic, it's the same plastic across the different companies. But or at least similar enough, but mm-hmm. it's the same. <laughs> um, Biofusion, I found I Ooh, really like okay. a lot for a couple reasons. Uh, Biofusion's a blend of a couple different plastics of yeah, theirs. It's, it's recycled, um, but it has a nice flex to it, similar to like Star or G Star. It's kind of it's a little bit of a gummy texture. It's very durable, and it's cheaper than other premium plastics. It's you know it's fifteen bucks for a disc, fourteen fifteen bucks for a disc instead of twenty twenty five. So for me, that's really like i think i'm gonna i'm as i'm replacing discs i'm gonna move more into the biofusion nice um putters i like a putter that's a little softer a little gummier just like a walking shoe i don't want it to have like a the same outsole as my hiking boot Mm -hmm. um so i i get base or close to base plastics for my putter softer plastics so but as far as like star versus champion versus lucid versus whatever to me it's just feel and and they all break in at different rates but i i personally prefer something that's a little more gummy so your star your g star your gold line or fusion or as i said biofusion i found i really like Mm -hmm. so that's me that's a great great answer um i mean perfect description of uh higher quality to base plastic um and i would totally agree that throw what feels good yeah um i personally throw a lot of fusion and hybrid stuff um, mostly because it feels good. I like the grip. It lasts long enough. I could throw a fusion enforcer a year all the time and it's fine. Um, I could probably throw lucid enforcers longer, but I like the feel enough that, you know, that 75% lifetime is fine for me. Yeah. So throw it. You like throw it feels good. Yeah. And they break in. They all change a little bit over time. Yeah, everything and will. A softer plastic is going to change flight characteristics sooner than a harder plastic. Mm-hmm. And if if you want to play more competitively, start buying higher quality plastic because it will be more consistent for a longer period of time, and you will start to trust it and develop. Like, I'll say a relationship with it. Yeah, like you'll know what's going to happen. Yeah, I've I used to buy, and I still do a little bit. But when I would want to try a new disc, I would just buy the base plastic just to try it out and. Um, with stuff that I use more for upshots, so like short distance mid ranges or even putters. Putters I prefer to be soft. I've tried putting with like a gold line or something like that, mm-hmm. and I didn't like it. It just slips yeah. off the chains. It's not something that I found I like. Throwing as a throwing putter, fine, but as a putting putter, it's not something that I like. Um, 
but especially for anything distance, if I'm, I found that if I'm going to like the more base plastics, I just don't know how that just flies anymore. Yeah. Like the first time I throw it, I swear, conservatively speaking, 93.75% of the time, the first time I throw a disc, it goes right into a tree. That's pretty true. Yeah. So you don't usually have a pretty good idea. I don't usually have a pretty good idea how good a disc flies the first time I throw it. And I found that with plastics that are softer, on high-speed stuff that, or even fair, you know, driver stuff, fairways and, and mm-hmm. high-speed stuff, uh, once I hit that tree on a softer disc, the flight characteristics have changed enough that I don't know how that disc flies anymore. Yeah. And when I get one that's a premium plastic, it's it's a totally different thing. It's like throwing a completely different mold. Yeah, and actually, that's a that's a good point. Is that higher speed stuff is going to hit obstacles harder? Yeah. Than lower speed stuff. So I throw all premium drivers, all base putters, and kind of a blend in between. Yeah. Because when you throw a hundred feet and you hit something. Takes a little ding. If so are most of your drivers lucid because it's mostly the most durable? fusion. Same fusion. same okay. reason of I like the feel better. Yeah, I throw some lucid stuff, but yeah. mostly fusion. So lucid is similar to champion, champion for Innova, and it's to me I really like it a lot. But it, I've got this junior one in my hand that's just smaller, so it's kind of gummy and you can flex it, but it feels a little slicker in my hand. So where we play here, especially I like to play in the winter. Um, that's when I really found that I like the gummy stuff because. I started buying base stuff, but it wasn't lasting. Yep. So I found like kind of more star and yeah. star. In, in the snow, I even break out prime. Oh yeah, drivers because it will grip because I can hold on to it. Yeah. So if I'm playing in the snow, I'm throwing prime defenders a yeah. lot. Yeah. If it's wet and if I hit a tree, it's you know it's broken. But yeah. And I'll, so those are just I'll the trade offs, the different plastics. So yep. sometimes you need the grip. Yeah, but again, throw what feels good to you. Throw what you like, and also consider your budget. Consider how often you play. Consider how much you play. Yeah, and if it's like, well, I can get one disc for twenty bucks, or I can buy three used prime or you know base discs, and and, and get out more you, often. If go you play. Have, if you have a shop nearby with a used bin, go buy some used premium plastics. Yeah, because they'll be you know at whatever stage of where they're at, they'll be there for a little while. Yeah, and then if you like it, you can go buy a new one and break it down to where you want it. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, used is well, I as long I don't know, I don't buy a lot of used discs because it's a gamble, but it's fun. And it can be good. The, the shop that I go to here is a pretty well-trafficked shop, so the used discs are hashed. I found, so, a, I found a great used enforcer. You can find a handful of them. You can, usually, after tournaments is usually a good time. We <laughs> find all the tournament stamped ones. Right. Uh, but the stuff that I've gone and looked for, it's just been hashed. Per, so that's just my bad luck of, yeah. of being in there. But if I, I do usually do scoop through there and just kind of see, like, you know, I wanted to throw this and... Mm-hmm. If it's you know a twenty dollar disc, and I'm not sure if I'll like it, uh, and it's not a buyback store, which I don't think our local shop is, uh, yeah, if I can try it for eight bucks instead of twenty, yep, why not? Yep, absolutely. So, and also that gives you, if you've got a lot of discs, and if you know it doesn't stretch your budget to pick up a new disc, buying used discs is a great way to give other like hand out discs to other people and not feel bad about it to yeah. get them playing. Very true. So. I always like to, if I'm playing with people that are newish to the game, I'm happy to give them a couple discs if I've got spares in my car or something because it's, mm-hmm. I, I want people out playing. It's a fun sport. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. Uh, I think we got to those two emails on that one. Uh, quick. I'll, this one will be quick. Okay. Second half from Disc Golf Bros. What are good off-season routines? Oh, yeah. Um, play disc golf. Play disc golf. Practice putting. 
Yeah. Uh, most of the touring players do a lot of gym work. They'll be strengthening, you know, staying in shape, getting stronger, uh, core, back, elbow, knee, whatever is kind of like ailing. You'll fix it. You'll strengthen it. Um, another plug, Disc Golf Strong yeah. does so many videos, core strength, back fixing, arm pain, like just general health. Check them out. Yeah. Um, if you have a space where you can putt in your garage or putt in a basement, do that. Mm-hmm. But also don't be afraid of the bad weather. I love going and playing in the snow. Granted, we live in Salt Lake City where we don't get like three feet of heavy, like frozen tundra snow where, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of you that live like in the Great Lakes area may. But uh, get some super bright discs. <laughs> And yeah. go out and throw them. And if there is a lot of snow, you can tape a ribbon to the middle of your disc so that oh. when it burrows underground, you can find the ribbon. Because I've lost dozens of discs playing in the snow, and you shoot in under the snow and it buries somewhere. People, I've, I've cleared out hundreds of square feet around this entry point and not found them. So <laughs> ribbon is worth looking into. Yeah, people used to do that with their skis. They would tie a ribbon to them and like tuck it up their pants so if they lost their ski in the powder. Some people still do. Yeah, it's, but it yeah, works. It works. Uh, I've never thought about that. That's definitely going to change the flight characteristics, but at least you can go out and play. Yeah. Yeah. So my off season advice is play. If you can putt, if you can't play, if you can't putt, get stronger Yeah. or somehow stay in shape or whatever. But the most important part of your off season routine is listen to the prime disc golf podcast and here all winter, get other people to listen to it. So I love playing in the winter. I really do. Cause courses are empty and, uh, kind of there's peaceful. not leaves on trees. <laughs> It's the nice. Trees, the trees do get way, as long as you're not in like a pine forest area. Yeah. The trees do get way nicer in the winter. Yeah. New yeah. gaps. What are they? That's actually trees. New gaps open up. Yeah. And one fun. of my favorite things about our local park, pretty much all those trees go bare through the winter and it opens up a few new lines for me to practice hitting. Yeah. Which otherwise I don't get. Yeah. It's so. a lot of oaks and mostly oak probably in that. Cottonwoods. Ravine. Oh, cottonwoods. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it all just, it completely changes the feel of the course and it just is a way to your course feels like a different course in the winter. So, uh, go play in the winter and yes, it's great. Uh, last question also from disc golf bros. So disc golf bros has been on it. This I don't week, know who you so guys are, you. but you're like the Mario brothers. I like you. I think this is Hunter actually may have changed his name. Ah, uh, clever. Not sure. Uh, the Mario bros. What? I, just, I read disc golf bros and I smile. Yeah, Cause I, I think like of Mario brothers, the super disc golf bros. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, do you want me to read it? You got it. No, no, no. But I'm just going to go off on a little tangent right now. Perfect. I've been watching Daredevil season three on Netflix. <gasps> don't, uh, don't, don't ruin it for me. I'm not going to ruin it for you. Okay. Uh, well. <laughs> should, I, should I stop listening now? No, 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 no. Okay. Um, I'm just going to say this. I think it's in like episode 11 that I just watched. Um, there's a character that takes a... Uh, I'm not Catholic, so I'm going to compl- – and I know Chris isn't either. So I don't know what this is called, but like the collection bowl thing that people like put their alms in that gets passed around, the collection yeah. plate. Yes. I believe that's what it is. It's something from a Catholic church. Uh, Heiser's that beautifully right into somebody's face. Oh. <laughs> so I can't uh, believe it. just throws it, and it just takes a perfect – it's short, but it takes a perfect Heiser line just, and oh. just uh, finishes it's right like in the throwing a pizza face. box. Yeah, just whoop. Oh, I can't wait. So uh, – Something to look forward to. Um, there's a character in this that I want to talk about, but I'm, and that he would be great at disc golf. But I'll let you watch the season first. Okay, thank you. Uh, not a fun person to have on your card, but would be excellent in the sport. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, last question after my tangent. 
Uh, and ride in if you know what I'm talking about, guys, because it would be awesome. What makes a better roller? High-speed driver, fairway driver, etc. beaten in stable disc, or something that is really understable to start with? Also, why? Um, I'm going to say what makes a good roller for me is a putt that I want to stop and then Ooh. becomes an excellent roller. Seconded. Yeah. Anytime I front cage, it's like a perfect roller. Yeah, and it just goes for miles and miles and miles. Yeah, at least as far as I started. I uh, Brangle Terrace, which is that course I was playing in California, uh-huh. Vista, California, great course. Um, hole 11, I think it is, is just an upshot, like straight up hill. From, you're probably throwing 80 feet up a hill from where you are and had a couple rollers that put you behind where you threw. So, oh man. So, uh, but on a serious note, I think it depends on kind of what you're trying to do. Are you just trying to do a little flick roller and get it around a tree and bark it? Because then you probably don't want something with a really big rim because you want it to, to go and die. If you're trying to get it really far down, you probably want something that's nice wide rim, which is probably going to lead you towards a more overstable disc. Um, yeah. What do you say? Um, rollers are just like air shots. So people, I'm not trying to call you out here, but when people ask, what is the best roller disc? I could turn around and say, what is the best disc to throw? Yeah. It's just whatever. Well, what do you need it to do? Yeah. Right. So high speed stuff thrown well, will go farther. Um, putters and slower stuff obviously won't go as far there wider more friction more drag they're gonna slow down um stability same thing so the more overstable the disc is the more it wants to fight that angle so if i'm throwing right hand backhand rolling and it's leaning to the left i'm gonna say like 11 o'clock if it's overstable like really overstable it's gonna stay leaning there it's gonna stay at 11 o'clock okay now the more understable the disc gets the faster it's gonna flip to 12 one and curl over the right so eventually most discs will slow down and they'll curl to the right, just like a disc flight. So the turn, they fight it and then they finish to the right, just like a, an air shot. So if you want it to go far, the faster and the more overstable, the farther it has the potential to go, but if the harder it is to get two speed on the right angle to get it to go. Yeah. So if you're new to rollers, I don't throw them too much. I like crafty air shots. Um, if you're new to rollers, I would start with something understable like understable, not neutral, just flippy. My most rolled disc is a beat up queen, which is a pretty flippy disc. Um, I throw it hard on a hyzer and I know how it's going to flip over and get down and then it's going to go right. Um, if I'm throwing farther, I can probably get up to like a, I don't know, a ballista pro down enough to roll. Um, I don't have the roller form well enough to throw something like an enforcer and make it roll. If you watch guys like Eagle, I think Eagle is one of the best roller throwers we have. Um, And the two that come to mind are kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. He throws an S-Line PD-2, which is like an overstable destroyer. And he throws that for like super long max rollers, tons of angle, tons of speed, and they just go forever. And he also rolls a D-Line FD, which is like a understable fairway driver in base plastic. Okay, that thing is like a silly tool that nobody should not should that you wouldn't expect any high him, caliber him pro to, be throwing, to right. be throwing. Yeah. And he can do miraculous things with it. Yeah. Well, that so, goes back a little bit to our plastic conversation. Like if it works for you, do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, if you want to learn rollers, 
start trying. Like there's not there's not. I need to start trying because I can't. I can do a flick roller, like just get it around a bush and park. But sometimes I forget which which the side to have my thumb on to end up to turn yep. which way I want it to. Yep. But I need to practice rollers more because I do not have a roller, and it would be a valuable shot to have. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's just there isn't a better disc. It depends on what you need it to do. Yeah, I so, guess that's so. If it's short and you need to get really far to your right, if your right hand backhand, probably understable mid. No, but I like what you're saying though. That it's think of it as the same. Wherever you want this disc to end up, mm-hmm. you're it's going to translate to if you're just throwing it backhand, mm-hmm. just like a standard shot, or or just throwing it through the air. Um, an overstable high speed disc has the best potential of thrown well to go far. That's why. Yeah. The, the pros are throwing ballista pros and destroyers and super overstable disc. That's why I don't throw them mm-hmm. because they just don't, there's no reason for me to be throwing them. I can't get them to do what they're designed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I want a disc to go, you know, and then there's mids and there's putters and there's all sorts of different things. So just figure out where you want it to be. And then yeah, practice it, take it out to a field. Probably is probably the best place to practice it as flat as you can get. So you're not worried about roots and everything else yeah. tripping you up. Cause that will happen on the course, but if you can just get the mechanics down, like on a football field or soccer field or something, you're probably going to be better off than, mm-hmm. you know, worrying about gopher holes and you know, oh, everything man. else that we run into. That's probably worth mentioning though. If you're, I mean, if you're familiar with playing disc golf in parks with trees, you know how frustrating it is to throw a good shot and clip a tree branch or a leaf or something and just ruin it. Rolling is even more frustrating because you can't predict where it's going to hit and how it's going to react to the initial landing and what roots you might clip and what gopher holes are there. Yeah. All this weird stuff that can just eat rollers or spit them out. Yeah. Or, sprinkler trench that you didn't expect. Like yeah. roots right now, which is a local course, you, rolling on that would be a... There are holes everywhere. Yeah. They're just trenching for sprinklers everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's a joke. So it can be a little bit more inconsistent. If you're playing on like a manicured ball golf course, rollers sure. go far. I played yeah. with a guy, I don't know, last year, year before, who threw a forehand roller with a monster. It's weird. Like a, this way. Oh, okay. Put it down on that same cut angle. Um, it was a monster, super overstable disc, like speed 10 or 11. I don't remember what monsters are. And he was getting it to just hold that cut angle for forever. And he could roll it farther than I could throw. Oh, sure. So he was throwing a forehand roller off the tee 500-something. And well, every time he let it go, I would just watch it. Like, that's pretty good. It's going to stand up. It's not standing up. That That's really good. Like, is it going to stop? And it just 30 seconds of rolling. Like, yeah. I was amazed every time he did it. Isn't that the kind of the point of a roller is that they can go farther than yeah, an Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Rollers are, I would say, a, a pretty aggressive play. For max distance. Yeah. If it's not like a mandatory shot shape or like super low ceiling or, yeah. you know, safe bailout right. Like max distance rollers are pretty aggressive. Yeah. And if you're, you know, pro playing on like an 800 foot hole. Yeah. And you can, and you have a good roller, do it. Or yeah. if you're not a pro, if you're somebody who can, you know, get out there and do it. Like, yeah. I mean, if I could add another 100 foot or 50 feet to a throw by just getting it on the ground, great. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, yeah, anytime I throw a roller, it's it's incidental, unless it's like a little flick roller. <laughs> it's it's not on purpose. So, uh, well, thank you, Hope everyone. I think that's that gets us through our that's emails. the last one. Um, if you've written in and we've missed it, uh, remind Sorry. us like Jay Marmot did, um, and, and we will get back to it. Uh, but we really, really appreciate all the feedback. That's so nice to get 
um, questions to answer. Yeah. And then we don't have to come up with something to talk about. So, because <sighs> otherwise, this would this whole episode would have been about Daredevil season three. Um, but Chris um, I'll watch it, it and watch we'll it in our next it. episode. <laughs> I can probably finish it by three. next week. I bet you can. You don't have a wife and kids, and I've, I've gotten pretty far through it. I'm pretty good at binging Netflix. Yeah, it's uh, it's really good. Okay, I like all those Netflix shows. Um, Did you like all of the Marvels? This will be super quick. Well, that's we that's what I mean. Like, you the like Marvel all Netflix of them? Show. Uh, okay, real quick. Uh, Daredevil season one was excellent. Jessica Jones season two was very good. Luke Cage season one was probably my favorite Ooh, okay. up to that point, like or up to okay, you know, a little while ago. I really liked Luke Cage. The second half of the season fell off a little bit, but I really liked Luke Cage. Yep. Uh, Iron Fist, the first season, is bad, but there was enough that I'm glad that they kept it going for a second season. I wish they hadn't just canceled it. I don't know why they just canceled Luke Cage. I'm, I'm confused about that one. Uh, Punisher could use some work, but I liked it. Um, Daredevil season two, eh, not great. Um, it was fine. Uh, Luke Cage season two, I liked I liked, I liked quite a bit. Actually, I thought it was pretty interesting. Jessica Jones season two, I did not like as much as season one, mm-hmm. but I liked it. Um, Iron Fist season two is a dramatic improvement. I didn't over even season finish one. Iron Fist. The first one? It's not good. No. Like, it, it's, I'm one of the few people who is an apologist for it. Like, I, everybody that, that rags on it, I don't agree with all the stuff they say, but uh, the showrunner for that show was the same showrunner for in humans. Uh, and I, I'm, I was <laughs> an old podcast I had, I was reviewing in humans. So I made myself watch the whole series. Uh, it was awful. Okay. And like that same guy, that showrunner was just, he had just been completely coked out of his mind. Like it was so <laughs> bad. Both those shows, uh, iron fist at least has, there was interesting concepts and it, you know, it, it was part of a larger universe that was yeah. so in humans was just terrible. Like, and it shouldn't have been, it's not anybody's fault. I think about the showrunner. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, Luke, uh, where am I? I don't know. I think that's all daredevil right. season three. Excellent. Might be my favorite so far. Okay. I'll get there. Really, really good. Okay. Uh, really good. You know, like, they sometimes kind of just pull the taffy and just kind of stretch the story out. There's a little bit of that on this, but not nearly as much. Like it just kind of keeps going cool. and going and some things are revealed. And, um, there is a, a character that if I was more familiar with the daredevil comics would have gotten like right off, you know, oh. but to me it was like, Oh my gosh, that's who it is. And that's awesome. Cool. So, cool. uh, Yeah. Liked it. I'm I'm really enjoying. It. I think I've got like two episodes left. Okay. Really enjoying it. So next week, next episode. Yep, I'll be done. <laughs> we'll talk about Daredevil season three. Perfect. And that'll be awesome for Pro I'm Disc Golf. I look forward so, to it. Uh, anyway, anything else? Anything you want to tell the folks? Keep throwing plastic. Yeah. <laughs> right into us. Uh, Pro Am Disc Golf at Gmail dot com. Uh, Facebook. Hit us up there. Instagram. Um. I want to hear stories from you guys. What do you guys do in the winter? Do you guys play disc golf? Do you do indoor stuff? Do you move on to different sports? Is this a seasonal sport for you? Because I, I like playing year-round, and I think it's a for me it works out to play year-round. So, um, I mean, if you live in, like, the south or southern California or something, then the, the season never ends, whatever. But, you know, if you live in a place that has four seasons, I'm curious. So uh, write in for whatever you want and talk to us and – Give us more content to talk about. Otherwise, the show's just going to turn into a daredevil show. <laughs> Fight it. At least for a week. Yep. 
So until next time, keep throwing plastic. Cheers. <laughs>